Welcome to Ridiculous Entertainment. My name is Tim, your host. Some housekeeping up top. We've got a new top listener on SoundCloud. Her name is Bardia Dana. Dana? Bardia Dana. Big thanks and shout out to that human being. Ashburn, USA is still our top downloading town. Uh, we've got good news. We are now available on a plethora of platforms. We're available on Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, and finally iTunes. We finally broke through their impenetrable barrier of madness. And it is good. It is very good. We initially, I think we got word this morning morning that we were up and we saw a spike of downloads today so thank you for you guys who have uh, who have done that so good news also now that we are speaking to a little bit larger audience spoilers if you were wondering spoilers what i do here is i, I talk about an episode that has been released i've watched it and i'm going to spoil the shit out of it uh, in a satirical nonsensical way uh, if you haven't seen it exit out of the app you're in go to a different app watch what i'm talking about and then come back here and listen to the satirical good times that i'm having so now we're going to get into to two different things in this episode. We're going to get into Disney Plus. Just a brief talk about on this. Uh, so I downloaded Disney Plus opening day, Tuesday, and I watched, the first thing I watched was The Simpsons, which was weird. I've never seen an episode of The Simpsons. I, I've watched The Simpsons movie. I was never allowed to watch The Simpsons as a kid. And uh, I guess that was the one rule I, I followed. Kind of weird. But yeah, that was the first thing that I watched. Uh, Simpsons episode one, season one. But I have seen a couple other things, like the making of the Marvel franchise. I watched Watch two things on that, uh, assembling the Avengers and the what's next to come feature. I also watched Jeff Goldblum's show. You know, he's very good. He's very entertaining. He takes a topic that I don't really care about, sneakers, and he made it pretty fun, uh, pretty good. Although he went to the most famous shoemaker in the world and he kind of got a lame result. You know, the shoemaker gave him a shoe that had a W on it, which was significant of Jeff, Gold Jeff Goldblum's uncle. It wasn't the college that Jeff Goldblum went to. It was the uncle. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a weird, I, I wouldn't want that shoe, but uh, it does have furry stuff on the inside. So that's fun. And of course, I watched The Mandalorian, which is the second thing that we will be talking uh, about. We're going to talk more extensively about that coming up. Now, there is the Marvel franchise. I mean, I think they're only missing like seven movies. That's all up. There is the entire Disney animation catalog is up and there's like Disney kids shows up. There's a small catalog of originals. Let's see, there's The Mandalorian. There's the Jeff Goldblum show. There is a Christmas movie named No. Well, there is a show called Encore featuring Kristen Bell. Uh, there is a high school musical bullshit. So th there is new stuff on there, but pretty much if you don't have kids, you're going to be there for The Mandalorian. And I am there for The Mandalorian, and then I'll likely drop out once it's over, just because there are so many streaming networks to be on right now. And Netflix, I think, is still superior if you want new creative content, especially if you're looking for more adult themes. I think that Netflix or HBO are the ways to go. Disney Plus is ideal if you have kids. I mean, there's like 30 movies on there, 40 movies on there that you and your children can watch, enjoy, and love uh, like like we used to when, when I was a kid, but we'd have to have the VHS. So it is what it is. It's not a platform I'm going to shell out 70 bucks a year for. I'm going to pay for the three months that The Mandalorian's out. And maybe once we get a little deeper in, you know, we start seeing Marvel and The Mandalorian and a few other properties come out, then I'll, I'll sign up long term. But right now, it's just not what I'm into. So now let's let's talk just specifically The Mandalorian. Now, I'm not going to claim to be an Easter eggs expert. That being said, I did notice that there were a dozen or so callbacks to the original films. I'm sure I missed a bunch, but I am going to try to reference those as we go through. Plus ridiculous commentary on the side. So we, we come into a bar scene where we first meet The Mandalorian. Uh, he's come in and we see... Uh, 
a race of aliens that we've encountered in the past. They're called the Quarren. They live on Moncala with the Moncalamaris. The Karin's basically an asshole. He's in there with another asshole. They're kind of roughing up this blue-looking dude. And they see the Mandalorian come in. And the guy from across the room yells at him, Hey, Mondo, you spilled my drink, man. And I didn't see the drink spilled. The thing is that Mondo, the Mandalorian, was across the room. And it seems highly unlikely that he actually spilled the drink of this weird man. He knows what's about to come because the Mandalorians are known for their fighting spirit, their murderous ways. And he probably sees fisticuffs in his future. And there is, of course, there's a fight. There's a little bit of a showdown. And the way it ends, the way the showdown concludes is we see the Corrin run for the door. And we see the return of a technology where you shoot the door panel and the door closes, like the door malfunctions and so that, that cuts the corn in half. So that's insane. Uh, trust me, as a man who works on mechanical things for a living, if you shoot a door in this life, it will likely just do nothing. It will likely, you'll put a hole in the door, but if you shoot the control panel, it's likely to do nothing. Uh, you're just going to have to replace the control panel. So the Mandalorian's in the bar getting in the fight because he's there to pick up the blue dude as well. He wants the blue dude for a bounty. Now, the blue dude is kind of a slimy looking creature, you know, so we don't blame the Mandalorian. Get rid of that fucker, you know? Send him packing. So after he collects the blue dude, uh, we go out to what seems to be like some sort of valet system for the bar. And the ticket taker at the valet is Akubaz, which we saw in A New Hope. He's a long snouty creature who was the snitch in The New Hope, ratted Luke and Obi-Wan out to the stormtroopers. What we also get from the original films is maybe a lot of the same sound effects. They sound identical, pulled from the same track. We also get a, a speeder that's very similar. Uh, except for it's being piloted by a front-mounted R2 unit. So a little bit different, a little variation, but it seems like it's a lot of the same makeup. The valet, uh, the guy who basically, instead of them bringing the spaceship to the valet stand, a speeder comes and takes the valet people to their spaceships. So the guy, there's a guy who pulls up in a speeder, takes them to the ship. Well, the guy who's driving the speeder is actor and comedian Brian Posen. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, He's a pretty funny dude. He's in quite a bit of stuff. He's not, he's not like a main character, but he'll pop in, say something funny, and then fuck off. The valet system in this is not one that is well thought out. So there is like a big-ass lake that you park your spaceship on. So I, I don't think that's where I would park my spaceship unless the world is a frozen lake, which is possible. It's Star Wars. But I don't think that's where I'd park it. Uh, also, underneath the lake, there is a giant snake monster. Massive snake monster. And they're aware of its existence. So it just it's a flawed business model. I think that under further review, they'll decide to park the spaceships elsewhere. I just don't know why it's taken them this long to figure it out. I saw five minutes of show and I figured it out, but maybe the comedian man isn't very smart. I'm not that smart, but I know. So they're dropped off at the spaceship. Blue dude, Mandalorian, get off and they're getting into this the Mandalorian's craft. Well, we see the demon monster, the snake bitch, uh, jump through the ice. It's called a Ravenix. And when it leaps from the ice, you really notice uh, a use of practical effects. It kind of makes me think of Jurassic Park, the first one, uh, not so much the third one, because that was a terrible use of practical effects. Uh, but yeah, kind of plasticky feeling, then turning into CGI. It looks good, uh, but you can definitely tell where the transitions are. One more throwback, you know, the Mandalorian, he pulls out his rifle to shoot the giant worm monster in the face. The Mandalorian's rifle is actually called an Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster, and 
This is a callback to the Star Wars holiday special. It's not the only callback to this special. And I would wager that most common fans aren't aware of its existence. And there's for good reason. So the story is that George Lucas basically bought up every copy that was on the shelves so that the world was, would just eventually forget that he made such a terrible thing. And But now you can just watch it on YouTube and laugh. I suggest you get really fucking baked first because it's terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever watched. So they're on the ship now. They get away from the giant snake monster. And the guy thinks that he's outsmarting a bounty hunter, a Mandalorian, by saying, hey, I gotta take a shit. I'm gonna go to the back of your craft and, and drop a deuce. Is that cool? Mandalorian doesn't respond. He gets up to take a shit. Well, do you think that is a good ruse? Do you think that anyone is falling for that? Also, he encounters a number of weapons and doesn't take any. I think that this guy might be an idiot. He certainly isn't doing a very good job of becoming free. But whilst he is down there looking for, I don't know what he's looking for, I, a means of escape, but he's not doing a good job of finding those means. Uh, he does make another Star Wars holiday special reference when he says Life Day, which is essentially Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa of, of the Star Wars universe. Now, the Mandalorian isn't a fucking idiot. Did anybody think that he was? He's, a, he's not a fucking idiot. He comes downstairs and he's like, hey, dipshit, I'm right here. I'm right here. And as a result of the dipshit trying to think he could pull a ruse on the Mandalorian, guess what happens? He gets frozen in carbonite. He has, the Mandalorian has some kind of carbonite machine stored on board his ship and he can just take his bounties, freeze them over, and it makes transporting them a lot easier and they don't bitch as much about having to shit. Everybody knows that one. That's a callback to Empire. So the Mandalorian takes the now frozen dipshit to where the bounties are being collected, where the guild is located uh, that the Mandalorian is a part of. He's a part of some kind of bounty hunter guild. And he takes him and he finds Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. And he's like, what up, Chubbs? Chubbs like, yo, what's up? Let me pay you with this currency that isn't valid anymore. Thanks, Chubbs. We appreciate that. Try to try to pull a fast one here. I'll just take my bounties and fucking murder him or something, sell them to somebody else. Chubbs eventually pays up. He does. And he tries to pass off some mediocre bounties on him uh, to the Mandalorian. Mandalorian's like, that's not enough coin. I can't do that. No way, Jose. And then Chubbs is like, hey, I got this one job. Pays a lot of coin. Do you want it? He's like, fuck yeah. What do you think? I'm the Mandalorian. And at this point, you're starting to get Boba Fett vibes. I don't know why we're starting to get Boba Fett vibes, but it just feels like this is where the, the story's going to take us. Now, if I fail to mention it, they're meeting in a bar and there are too many different aliens to uh, classify and identify and mention because I don't have all fucking day. That being said, it is really good to see aliens uh, in this series because The Last Jedi had very few non-human people in it. There's a scene where they're in a casino and there's it's just all aliens and it's really prequely, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of non-human life. So it's good It's good to just have them everywhere because that's, that's what it would be. You know, it's just like you're walking around town and in most towns north of the Mason-Dixon in the United States of America, you're going to find a plethora of kinds of people because they've all immigrated. And it'd be the same thing in a world where light speed is possible, I think at least. Now the Mandalorian, he leaves the guild or the bar where the, the guild meeting is held. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go and uh, talk to some people, you know, get some shit taken care of. So the Mandalorian, he just, he's, he's going to take the job. He's like, okay, uh, give me the deets. I'm going to go check this out. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to come kill you. Uh, he doesn't say that, but you know, I mean, with the Mandalorian, he's always about to kill Chubbs. You can just see it. So he leaves the bar, he's walking around, and there are just so many references to the old Star Wars. Uh, primarily, first and foremost, there are the Jawas uh, who are, are shopping for droid parts, which is great. You know, Jawas are 
always a cool throwback. Uh, one of my favorite characters from A New Hope. I know they don't say anything, but they're just so gross looking. So disgusting. They're a good time. The Mandalorian, he finally gets to where he has to go to meet the prospective client. And he encounters at the door of this building where the guy's at a gatekeeper droid, which if you remember from the last, which if you remember from the Return of the Jedi is housed in Jabba the Hutt's palace uh, at the door. It comes out. It's got the little cuffs on the bottom. And he says, are you all freaky? Something like that. So the gatekeeper droid lets him inside. He's walking through these hallways and he walks past a power droid, like one of the ones we see in A New Hope. And then he comes into a room filled with storms. Sitting at a table is an old bastard who is obviously Imperial. He, uh, the Empire, the Imperial guy is like, hey, I need you to take this bounty. I don't have the name. I just have the age of the individual and his location. He's 50 years old. Getting more Boba Fett vibes. It's probably, that would probably be a little bit young for Boba Fett, but it's not far off. No, I, I would say that 50 is an accurate age of what Boba Fett would be. So I'm getting more Boba Fett vibes. So the Mandalorian's like, yeah, give me the job. He's like, how are you going to pay? And the Imperial guy's like, hey, we stole all your people's most precious metals because we're assholes. The Empire, we're just assholes. Uh, here's one stick of it back and I have a truckload of it for you when you bring the person back to me alive. I have half a truckload for you if you bring it back to me dead. Makes good sense. They want to interrogate it, rape it, eat it, something. I don't know. So it's like, okay, give me the thing. I'm going to get out of here. He leaves the building, accepted. He leaves the building. He's accepted the job and we start to see more references to the original trilogy. So we see, oh, this is going to be hard. A Kowakian monkey lizard, uh, like we see in Jedi. I don't know if you know the name Salacious Crumb, but he's like the little rat bat thing that sits by Jabba the Hutt and is laughing like a creepy little demon monster. So we see a couple of those, including one on a spit that's about to be eaten. Doesn't look very good. Who's eating this? Do they not have a, a more sustainable, more delicious form of food on this planet? So he, he's walking, he's walking, he's walking, and he, he goes to another Mandalorian. He takes this new piece of metal and the earnings from the from the bounty he completed at the beginning of the episode, takes those two things to another Mandalorian. I don't know why he gives her, it's a her, his money. That part doesn't make sense because surely he has expenses, but gives her his money. And she she takes the, the metal and melts it down and creates a new shoulder piece, some shoulder pads for him, which is cool, I guess. Uh, but surely if this metal is worth all that money, you, you could have done something else with it. I mean, that shoulder pad isn't going to protect you from much. Maybe Salacious Crumb trying to bite you, but that's about it. There's not a whole lot of value in a shoulder pad. A cup, a cup would have been more useful. Blocking the old dick. Yep, blocking the old cajones. So he leaves a woman, new shoulder pads, looking fresh, looking fine. And he goes to the location of the bounty, of the person that needs to be collected. It appears we're on Tatooine. It kind of looks like Tatooine. Although, you know, I, I was really expecting to see Banthas. You know, he, he takes out his rifle. He's looking around through the scope. And I was really expecting him to see Banthas callbacks to the first uh, movie. But he sees an animal called the Blurg. And the Blurg is featured in cartoons and uh, Battlefront 2. It's not a very prominent character. Uh, people who haven't ventured into those medias have no idea what a Blurg is. It's basically a giant frog. It's a disgusting motherfucking thing. And uh, he's, he's checking it out through the scope. And then, you know, out of nowhere, one sneaks up and starts attacking him. Starts attacking the shit out of him. Scuffle between him and the Blurg. And, you know, he incapacitates one and up comes another one. And he's probably going to die. Except for riding on the back of a Blurg comes an Ugnaught. Now, I don't know if you remember the Ugnaughts. They uh, are from Empire Strikes Back. They're in the Cloud City. And they're kind of sorting C-3PO, throwing his parts about, playing some volleyball with a golden head and stuff. Now, these things are fuck ugly. Like, like really fuck ugly. But, I mean, it saves the day. Uh, but the character, the Ugnaught, is voiced by Nick Nolte. And man, do the Ugnaughts look like Nick Nolte? Does Nick Nolte look like an Ugnaught? I don't know. But the character and the man really resemble one another. So the Ugnaught basically takes him back to his hovel. And they're, they're talking about what needs to be done. 
who needs to do what? How much is it going to cost? But at the end of every point he's trying to prove, the Ugnaught says, I have spoke. And guess what, Ugnaught? We fucking understand. We've been listening the whole time. Everybody knows you've spoken. But yeah, uh, the Ugnaught, yeah, bad catchphrase. It's really annoying. I hope he gets shot. Actually, I don't. I kind of like him, but also stop saying I have spoken. But so they're talking about what job the Mandalorian uh, is here to do. And the Ugnaught basically knows he's encountered other bounty hunters to capture whatever thing or person, again, thinking Boba Fett, uh, is stashed in this hellish place in like this canyon, this ravine, but it's got like a like a fortress. So he's like, I will take you there, but I want half. Bounty Hunter Mandalorian gives him a look. You fucking kidding me? You want half just to just to take me there? I can find him. I got a magnet or whatever this thing is. Magnetic thing takes me right to the dude. How do they install the other end of the magnet or the tracker? Is Does everyone have them? Does it track the soul? Is there a soul index? It's a interesting technology that doesn't have a logical base. So, you know, maybe they'll go into it, but also who cares? But the Ugnaught says he wants half. And Mandalorian's like, fuck you. You don't get half. He's like, I don't want half the bounty. I want half that giant beast that we took down. It's like, no, you, you can have both of them. I, I don't want either of those giant slugs on, on legs. It's like, well, you're going to need one, but okay, I'll take them both. Just, just you're going to need them. It seems like he doesn't understand negotiation because not only would the Mandalorian have given him both of the slug monsters, the Blurgs, but he probably would have given him a substantial amount of money as well. But I guess he lives in the desert. He's, it's desolate. He doesn't need much. So that's probably why. So the Blurg and the Mandalorian, they're, they're riding around. They're going to find the bounty and they, they come across the building. And basically the Mandalorian's like, fuck off, I'll take it from here. Now the Mandalorian is, is scoping the place out. He's taking a peek and he sees a bounty droid, an IG unit. We've met the IG units before. Uh, there was a one in The Empire Strikes Back when Vader is consulting the bounty hunters. This one is voiced by Taika Waititi. You can't really tell. He doesn't say anything goofy, which is Taika's... I mean, that's what Taika is. He's a fucking cartoon in a man's body. So the IG unit goes down and he just starts blowing holes in people, shooting everybody at this structure in the middle of the desert. So the Mandalorian's like tits. He's done all the work for me. Hey, thanks for murdering all those people. Uh, How's it going? And then the IG unit shoots him. It's like, dick, I'm a bounty hunter. What the fuck? Well, they decide to split the bounty. More people come out, shooting, shooting, shooting. And they're basically, it seems like it's an unwinnable situation. The IG unit is pretty much convinced they're going to lose and therefore becomes dead set on killing himself. Like dead set. Like that is the one thing he's sure of is that that has to happen. I have to kill myself. The Mandalorian's like, shut the fuck up. All right, I need your help. You're going to help me shoot these people. And of course the Mandalorian figures out a scheme and, and, and gets rid of all the guys and, and they're alive and, and, and everything's good. But the IG unit basically just wanted to kill himself the entire time. And if you look inside of the chest where the device was that was going to kill himself, it was a thermal detonator, which is from The Return of the Jedi. Princess Leia has one. She's like, eh, yato. And, and you can kind of tell that there is supposed to be some awe in this scene. The Mandalorian somehow steals a minigun or some variation of that and just starts shooting everybody. But it's kind of heartless. Not the man doing that, but there's not a whole lot of emotion. The music doesn't swell. You know, you don't really feel anything when it happens. It's still really cool. I mean, he shoots like a shitload of people, uh, but it, it doesn't It doesn't make me want to watch the next one. So they killed all the people. Uh, they have to get through the door. They're like, how do we get through this door? How will we ever do it? Oh, wait, I have a massive cannon. I'll just shoot the fucking door. They go inside and they shoot one more guy. There's one more guy in the building. Big pussy. Didn't want to come out and fight. And they're looking around. I'm like, Boba Fett. Where is Boba Fett? He looks over to the left. It's not Boba Fett. Spoiler alert. It's fucking 
fucking Yoda, baby Yoda, not big Yoda, not normal Yoda, it's baby Yoda. Uh, I don't know how this happened because yes, there are several Yoda-like creatures in the prequels, but it's never explicitly stated that those creatures are banging, that they're stuffing the salami. Also, how do Yodas stuff the salami? It seems more like a scissoring species, uh, but I'm not, not positive. The main questions that I draw from this story though is, is why does baby Yoda have 30 armed guards outside? I mean, it's obvious that baby Yoda has had a lot of people come and look for him, her, but if the Empire knew that Baby Yoda existed and that many bounty hunters have come and gone, you would eventually just send an army. It's only like 30 dudes. If you sent an entire battalion before the Empire fell, I know this takes after the Empire, but uh, if you sent an entire battalion when the Empire was still there, you could take that building. You could take it pretty easily. And then Baby Yoda, he doesn't seem to be powerful. Maybe he is. Maybe there's some strength. Uh, I mean, he is the progeny. I'm assuming he's the progeny of the strongest force user that has ever lived, but it could also be the progeny of White Yoda or Dipshit Yoda. I forget that Yoda's name, but there's a real dipshitty looking one on the Jedi Council, and it's really funny to look at. So after all this, uh, what do you think of the Mandalorian? Is it something that excites you? Do you want to watch the next one? Also, who do you think this little Yoda creature is? Who is he the progeny of? And what do you think of Disney Plus as a whole? Is it something that you'll just stay on for the Mandalorian? Are you going to drop it, even though the Mandalorian is not bad? You know, it's, it's a really expensively made TV show, and generally speaking, those are pretty good. So that's pretty much the episode. Uh, if you wouldn't mind liking, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, or whatever is applicable through the platform that you're listening to this through. And if you could tell a friend, uh, don't tell a friend who's a big fan of Star Wars, though, because he's going to be like, uh, actually, and I'm going to be like, don't at me, dude. Okay. That being said, this has been Ridiculous Entertainment.